Welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Today, we're going to be looking a bit more deeply into where the jobs market, the recruitment market is, both in terms of candidates approaching the market, of course, big flood of candidates into the market with some of the challenges that, that we've seen post-COVID-19 outbreak, particularly around the end of the furlough scheme and the uh, picking up of redundancies that we've seen over the last few weeks, but also thinking a bit more about where uh, clients are and where their heads are at. And delighted that we will have Steve uh, Bernard from ConnectWell to talk about that with in a moment. A few little bits to update you on from the REC. First, I think three big things to mention that you uh, might want to be aware of. Firstly, keep an eye out on Thursday the 6th of August for our latest report on jobs. That'll give you all the latest data on trends in the market for temporary and permanent hiring, plus also details on issues like vacancies. That very much is the most up-to-date data on the actual placements that take place in, uh, in the market and that will give us a really clear trend when we get it on Thursday on how the recovery that we believe is starting to happen in terms of in terms of the labour market is, is playing out. Secondly, lots and lots of REC members using our essential guide, our essential lessons from the from the crisis on the REC website. Lots there for you to dig into and as you think about your plan for riding the recovery. In addition to that, though, wanted to draw your attention to some work that we're doing with Greg and Chris Savage. Many of you will have been to a Savage event with, with the REC here in the UK in the past. Obviously, Greg and Chris are in Australia now, but we're doing an online event with Greg and uh, Chris called Thrive. It's three uh, sessions on preparing your business for the for the bounce back. Really great content. Those of you who know Greg will know how much value he delivers to recruitment uh, business owners. You can check out the link to register on that on that on the REC social media feeds, either Recruitment and, so- and Employment Confederation on uh, LinkedIn or at REC members on Twitter. You can find us on there and, and register for that. Uh, for that, the three really great sessions there. Uh, obviously, they're being held in Australia, so there's a bit of a time zone difference, but you can download each session as soon as you're up in the morning to have to have a savage breakfast, which uh, will be a really great bounce for your own recruitment recovery plan. And finally, if you haven't already signed up for the REC's conference on the 8th of September, as hundreds of you already have, please do join us on, on that day for the REC's first digital con- conference, bring together recruitment leaders, but also lots of really great practical insights. So three things there for you to get your teeth into from the REC as we continue to support you bouncing back from the challenging last few months. And I think one of the challenges for all of us in our recruitment is understanding how the world has changed from the the really rather benign labour market that we that we got used to of high employment rates, low unemployment and where both candidates and clients are as they come back to the market following lockdown. So I'm delighted to welcome Steve Bernard from ConnectWell to the pod. Steve, thank you for joining us. Hi, Neil. Thank you very much for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. Steve, before we kick off, why don't you tell us a little bit about ConnectWell and what you do? Yeah, ConnectWell are a management consultancy, 
And our primary focus is to support and guide ambitious organizations, ambitious leaders on helping create sustainable performance advantage. Primarily, we do that through the lens of people and therefore recruitment and the whole employment life cycle is very prevalent in, in the work we do. A lot of the work is uh, based on helping organizations really think about the, the front end of their business, i.e. the purpose, the vision, the strategy, and then help them work out what it is they might do with their people strategies and their operations to create you know, high levels of performance over a sustained and prolonged period. So yeah, very pleased to say that we've been working with uh, the recruitment sector as part of that for a, a long period of time. And we bump into all sorts of recruitment and employment uh, considerations on pretty much most projects that we, we engage in. So I, I think that's really interesting because it's certainly something that we at the REC have pushed at for years, which is that, that recruitment is and how companies approach recruitment, particularly through our uh, Good Recruitment Collective, is actually integral to corporate performance and to productivity and engagement in a way that perhaps it traditionally hasn't been as appreciated as it, as it should be by the client side. But of course, there are real risks in a time like this where unemployment is likely to be rising for the next few months at least, and where redundancies are high and job vacancies are, are lower, that people forget that because candidates are more are more available when people when companies go hire, go hiring now than they have been in previous years. I think let's start by talking about candidate experience. How does candidate experience change in a time like this? I mean, I, I, there's quite a sort of kind of uh, old-fashioned view that says that clients will matter more and candidates will matter less. What's your take on that? Yeah, um, thanks, Neil. That, that's a really interesting lead-in, and I'm glad you mentioned the the old-fashioned view. I hate to say this, but I think in part, sadly, you're you're right with that with bringing up the old-fashioned view. If you look at it from an employer's perspective, what we're hearing from uh, the employers and the organisations that we're talking to is that they're suffering with you know, uh, an unparalleled number of challenges uh, that are facing them daily. They're having to make some really big calls on some really big decisions from you know, furloughing and redundancies through to capitalization, you know, all, all sorts of uh, big decisions. And sadly, for at least 50% of them, they are in private at least admitting that in terms of the candidate experience, people that they are onboarding or people that are transitioning internally between roles. I wouldn't say they're falling by the wayside, but sometimes they perhaps don't get the priority or the, the focus of attention that they deserve. Now, while that's understandable, uh, for me, I think it's potentially a little bit short-sighted and, and probably the, you know, the best employers are the ones that could have predicted that and said, what is it we need to do to bolster the recruitment team's capacity uh, and more broadly, what is it we need to, to do to bolster HR's capacity and line manager's capacity to cope with, you know, a vast array of people changes, but including uh, recruitment in the mix. So, so they're struggling. And I think that is playing out through the, the candidate's experience in some instances, sadly. That's interesting, because I, I think if we think about client's position and, and everything you started by talking about, Steve, around engagement and its importance to productivity and corporate performance you know clients who don't 
who have a problem without an answer traditionally you know you and i you still run a consultancy i i suppose i run a consultancy of forms at the rec but i've been a consultant myself in the past you know clients with problems and no answers if you're an agency owner should actually be quite an attractive prospect because there's a problem there that you could go and solve yeah Absolutely. I think timescales come into it, Neil, in terms of the the mindset, perhaps, that we're, we're noticing. You know, sadly, you know, from a psychological perspective, it's understandable that, you know, recruiters and employers perhaps are, without even meaning to, taking uh, slightly, you know, slightly more shortcuts in, in the short term. They are trying to, you know, plug gaps in their operation we're working with a number of employers that have got big call center operations, as an example, and you know, let alone the shift of moving out of a big office environment into a working from home environment, the number of different specialist teams that they've had to stand up in a very short space of time means that in many cases, the, the short term operational decisions are the ones that are getting all of the management time and management focus. And Falling slightly by the wayside is the the employee experience, and it's while it's understandable, I think there are ways to mitigate that. But but I think the point you were perhaps alluding to was, you know, if there are problems, if these organisations have particular business problems and challenges that they're facing daily, it's ironic, isn't it, that often, you know, the best form of solution or the best form of ideas and, and workarounds come from the workforce themselves. Um, particularly new new members of a team or an organisation who perhaps come at things with fresh eyes. And ironically, I think um, the, the organisations that are struggling the most don't have access to that rich vein of insight or, or understanding. So I think in, in a sense that can form a little bit of a lose-lose where the right voices with perhaps some of those solutions that you, you talked about are not really being tuned into properly. The, the better examples, we're working with one employer at the moment who is in the insurance sector and they are working as hard as they possibly can to maintain all and every form of engagement that they've got be them on online town halls trying to convert onboarding processes to in, in a virtual world so they're doing everything they can to maintain the kind of connection in terms of understanding the the candidates needs or the new colleagues needs but importantly listening to their views and ideas as well I suppose from an agency perspective, you know, many of the listeners to the podcast are uh, recruitment agency owners. There's a couple of opportunities there, isn't there? One is, well, what can I take off of my client businesses to make their life easier in a, in terms of supporting that onboarding process? And another part of it is about helping client businesses understand understand the the people side of how their business is changing. Because I think a lot of businesses will make their decisions about the shape of the business post-COVID and from quite a strategic level. They'll say, look, this area of the business we believe has sustainability and this area has less. So we're going to go big on area A and that's going to involve transitioning a lot of people and hiring in that space. How do we do that? Yeah. And and I think for cer- certainly the, the the kind of more upbeat owner agency owners I'm talking to at the moment are the ones who are able to have that conversation with clients. But it's it's operating on a very different level to to maybe where 
some of the uh, some of the recruitment processes were before all this started. Yeah, I think there's a, a really big opportunity there, Neil, as, as you've pointed out. And and I would say the way I look at it from you know one step removed from the the relationship between sort of the agency owners and the their client base, this is a really big opportunity where they have the opportunity to step up. And in a way, for the agencies that operate on a, a very much client partner led type relationship with with their customers you know this is a time for them to step up and do what i might refer to as some good old-fashioned heavy lifting where those employers are struggling and where perhaps the agencies are starting to see some of the standards slip away where perhaps the the candidate expectations are not being met for the the agencies with the best relationships and with the best standards and and certainly you know, I know the vast majority of your you know, members would, would be part of that statement. I, I think they can use with great power and great effectiveness the relationship that they have with their, with their customers to provide you know, timely reminders, you know, gentle hints about some of the things that the employers already know, but perhaps are struggling to deliver on the ground in terms of the, the nuts and bolts of the, the process. So, so I think really the relationship they have with their uh, client base is really really prevalent right now and I'd be really interested to, to understand from from their perspective you know how they see that partnership role and how they see that conversation working right now I would argue that some perhaps have fallen away and have become very transactional and maybe somewhat distant but I would hope that the better um, agencies out there are using the the gaps perhaps that they see in the employers to step in and step further towards the businesses to say well look this isn't working very well for you right now, but what is it we can do to step in and to help? And that potentially transcends the the contract, if you will, in terms of what agencies are contracted to do and not to do. I think this is not a time to split hairs, but this is a time to look at the overall integrity of the process. I think that matches quite well with a lot of what I'm hearing. I'm seeing lots of agencies considering moving back from the 360 approach to the 180 approach in terms of how they task consultants with the aim, at least in part, of having more people around the client with more specialism inside the agency. And as you do that, then enabling that kind of very transactional relationship that needs to be there with internal recruitment or talent acquisition or whatever function inside the business runs the process in the PSL, but also running alongside that a more senior, more strategic relationship that that is able to put the things around that process that embed a kind of greater sense of partnership and co-problem solving, which is what's going to see that relationship through this period when any client's going to be doing less hiring but they're doing a lot more thinking about how they hire and how they engage people. And truth of the matter is that in that first stage through uh, attraction and hiring and onboarding, their recruitment par- partner is is kind of is a key yeah a, a key or in terms of getting that right for businesses who are navigating kind of a land for which currently there's no map because these businesses are changing very quickly. Yeah, I think that that's spot on. Um, I think that that's you know very much in keeping with what what I would recommend and what I'd see as best practice out there. And I guess you know to encourage you know the agencies to to look at that option to step further in and, and provide that kind of relationship. 
when I look at employers and when I look at prospective clients um, who are potentially some of the same people in the senior management team of the HR community, for example, a lot of these people are effectively my competition because a lot of them are thinking I'm short of time. I'm being pushed on budgets from, you know, uh, you know, internal conversations based on where we are right now. I know I'll just do it myself. And, and that, that phrase is one of the most dangerous phrases that I've heard during the, uh, the crisis so far, because very often the just do it myself is code for haven't got the time or the bandwidth to think about this. And I haven't even got the time to necessarily onboard you as a partner or get you to, uh, to, to help us with this, because there's a sense of either panic or there's a sense of there's too many other competing priorities for my time and attention where I think you know, your uh, membership and, and, your, and the agencies have an advantage is the vast majority of them, particularly, you know, as you say, if they've got the, the preferred supplier list status, they already know the clients inside out. They've already got the relationships. And that's where I think they can step in and say to, you know, their clients with, with perhaps with some boldness and some confidence, you know, candidate uh, client X, no, <laughs> that's really not a great option for you to either stop doing something internally or to perhaps not seek help. And I think that's where, you know, the fleet of first agencies, the ones that have got the, the best account managers or, or the best uh, consultants can step in at pace and say, let me pick that up for you. Or let's at least throw some of my people uh, into a quick conversation to see if we can find some kind of workaround for what you're facing right now. And I think with that kind of pace, which I think agencies are, you know, potentially geared up to, to provide, that's where we help collectively we all help clients from help from helping themselves and not falling into some self-induced traps that's really good insightful advice steve and you know i think that piece about how you build that high trust environment with a client to say not actually you need to think again about this or have you considered this option that that seems to me to be the bit that gets the industry as a as a whole into the place that it needs to be in in terms of trusted advisors and i'm definitely starting to see uh, where those relationships are strong that leading to some really interesting ideas around well you know maybe in this environment uh, we need to be clearer about what our internal team does and there's some stuff here that we can outsource and and yeah. so jumping from a kind of psl environment to more of a uh, to more of a substantial outsourced environment these these options exist but yeah clients don't jump directly from one to the other there's a process of consideration and problem solving that goes with it and a critical goal for lots of agencies is to jump in to that that to find that discussion inside the business and if you've got the wrong relationships inside the client it's going to be very difficult to find to find that that discussion is, is that kind of HRD who's got a problem and lack of bandwidth who may or may not have a relationship with their primary recruiter because actually that stuff's been handled by my talent acquisition team before? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, going back to something you said earlier, Neil, you know, if, we, if we're all facing many employers uh, who don't have a kind of a frame of reference or a map to help navigate the problems that we're all facing right now, I think the old fashioned way of looking at this, you know, it's easy to hide if you've got a fairly transactional relationship, it's easy to hide your performance and sticking to kind of the normal 
modus operandi by saying, you know, it's a confidentiality issue. It's not it's not part of the NDA or it's part of the NDA. Therefore, I can't stray from this conversation or, you know, um, th- there's something which means that that conversation is, is not available to me. And I think that's a set of fairly tired excuses. I think as long as, you know, agencies are remain uber professional and they do respect confidences, they do follow, if you like, the, the understanding of the, the contracts they have. They are the ones that if they if they operate fast enough, they're able to find those conversations and perhaps they're able to help those internal colleagues within the employers to find the conversation, to find the solution or find at least a better question. Employers are crying out for those sorts of, you know, ideas focused conversations. It's just that they don't often have the time to initiate them themselves and they don't necessarily have the bandwidth to ask their partners for it. So I think, you know, a very proactive approach from the agency uh, world would be one which would be met, I'm sure, with uh, great relief from employers and potentially some new and quite innovative conversations. And I think that's what, you know, more when I talk to RSE members about how they're using RSE data, whether it's report on jobs or uh, jobs outlook or our new jobs recovery tracker, I, I think a lot of this data is being used to underpin some of the some of these discussions it will take a while for us to get there but i think it's a really positive opportunity for the industry and what has been a very challenging time but before we close i want to bring us back to the candidate specifically you recently wrote a great blog post on the rec website and people should check it out if they haven't yet and and that talked a little bit about how candidates are coming to the market with a perhaps with a different mindset to the one that consultants will have been used to so from a candidate perspective you know coming into the market looking for a job now and we we have to acknowledge that many people who will be looking for a job over the next few months will not be there voluntarily what would you say are really important things for recruiters to bear in mind in terms of dealing with that population yeah, thanks very much, Neil. And it was um, a pleasure to to, to write that uh, post. And it was it brought up some really interesting uh, reminders for me of some conversations that I've been having recently. So, so I guess thinking about how candidates are approaching this period of time, you know, it's worth just stepping back and thinking, you know, we are all in what has been referred to as a 300 year event in terms of the, the depth and the speed of this recession as a global phenomenon. And I think, therefore, with something uh, as unparalleled as this, um, what's important is that many candidates are are plain scared and unprepared for the situation they found themselves in. And going back to our conversation previously about employers, with the best will in the world, some employers have not been able to maintain a healthy uh, level of engagement or even a healthy level of communication about what's happening internally within organizations so i think you know the agency world and and uh, recruiters in general can expect a candidate population appearing that are seemingly rather unprepared and potentially the way they'll show up is you know looking like they have a lack of confidence and arguably at their very worst looking rather unprofessional and are not ready, not kind of job ready or application ready. And, and I think the, the question there becomes, what role is it that recruiters want to play? Do they want to play a, a transactional role to say, I've got a job and a spec from my actual clients, and I'm here to fit that brief, 
and to, 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 to plug gaps where there's a direct match? Or actually, do they and are they prepared to take a slightly broader role to provide some kind of um, professional and objective advocacy towards candidates themselves? You know, where there's a small error or there's a small faux pas or, or something where there's a misunderstanding, perhaps, you know, I think the better recruitment professionals out there kind of know they have the experience and they have the confidence to say to a candidate, look, I'm not going to put this uh, application forward or I'm not going to put you forward right now. I think there are a couple of questions that you need to go back and look at. And, you know, just pointing candidates in the right direction or giving them, you know, a couple of top tips and handy hints, which might be absolute bread and butter to the recruiter, but they might be game changers to the, the candidates. Um, because the, the candidates right now um, often are not seeing the wood for the trees. They're not seeing perhaps where they could fit, particularly those that are uh, transversing uh, industry sectors and looking at applying their skills and experience in different sectors. You know, and I think that's where great recruiters can come in and say, I'm noticing that you're applying for, you know, this type of this type of vacancy. But actually, having reviewed your your candidacy and your background, there are a number of other areas which perhaps might not be in my team. But have you considered these other areas? Because, you know, what what I do know about a recession of this depth and this speed is that there's going to be a lot of change in the market. There'll potentially be jobs that um, currently don't exist that will exist in six, 12 months time. There'll be new growth spurts in different sectors. And I think it's, you know, a question for recruiters to say, what role do they want to play in terms of the, the candidate experience? Do they want to kind of spend most of the time fulfilling the brief of the client? Or actually, do they want to take a little bit of their time and expertise and provide that towards the, the candidates? to help the candidate experience both be more navigable, but also to help them see the possibilities that the recruitment professional might see first and foremost. Well, there's a big thought of confidence in that view of the world coming from the government having set some cash aside to support the industry to do that for people who are working with job centres, uh, which we're working with the DWP on at the moment. But beyond that, it is that piece around candidates starting their journey towards placement in a slightly different and slightly farther away place and potentially you know people who haven't looked for a job in 10 or 15 years and the market looks very different now to when to how it did in 2005 and who haven't been used to articulating their skills in in a different way to the way that they did a few years ago so i think that whole piece around kind of making sure that there's a skilled eye over how candidates are presenting themselves and how they can help be helped to to be more effective strikes me as another part of that professional service delivery model that that we know the industry will need to reach to remain competitive in in the new economy yeah absolutely neil i couldn't agree with you more and just to sort of build on that last point you make in terms of how candidates present you know, good recruiters, you know, would, would never try and create a placement or push an avenue that's not, uh, doesn't have potential and possibility. And I think um, recruiters could, could consider that where the candidates lack confidence right now, particularly where candidates are in the marketplace for the first time or the first time in a, a length of uh, a time in their careers, they can perhaps help bridge that confidence gap 
to say, you know, from my experience, you know, you have the potential or you've got some skills here that could be transferable or could apply to this particular opportunity or this particular sector. So so I think there's a real role in the, if you like, the confidence building of candidates and um, helping them sharpen up how they present themselves. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. I, I think fascinating insight there and and one which I think we will return to and dig into on the pod and in other REC activities in the in the weeks and months to come because it's clear that the the market is reshaping and as we always as we know recruiters are the great survivors of uh, the of the labor market we'll find a path to uh, thriving going forward and uh, and some of that will be about this transition into a more professional services industry steve as we draw this to a close why don't you say a word about how people can find out a little more about connectwell Thanks very much, Neil. Yeah, please do uh, visit us on our website, which is www.connectwell.co.uk, or contact me directly uh, or via our presence on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Neil. Pleasure for me too. And thank you for listening to this latest edition of the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, do join us again for another edition or listen to some of our back catalogue. You'll find it all on the newly minted REC podcast page under the Our View tab of the REC website at rec.uk.com. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon and all the best to you and your business in the weeks to come. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.